We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to have you with us on the show today. Well, it's not every day that I say this because it wouldn't be true every day, but we sure do have a jam-packed show today. A lot of content, a lot of guests, and it's going to be very beneficial for our listening audience. At least that's our goal here on the show. I want to mention a few housekeeping items, and then we'll jump into our scripture for the week. You can listen live to the show on our website, AFR.net. You can also download the American Family Radio app and listen live to the core on that platform as well. We live stream the show on the core's Facebook page each weekday. And lastly, uh, the uh, American Family Radio app, I mentioned that, we do uh, upload the podcast, so after the live show airs, we upload the audio of the live show and post it as a podcast on all the pod- major podcast platforms. So you can go out there and subscribe to the Course Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, listen to the show at your convenience. If you're not able to catch it all live, you can go back and listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at your convenience. Well, jumping into our scripture for the week, Psalm chapter 26, Psalm chapter 26 is where we are for this week. I'm just going to read a couple. Uh, Yesterday I read the entire passage. Today I'm just going to read the first few verses here. David says in verse 1, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, and try me. Test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes. And I walk in your faithfulness. So that's verse one, two, three. And you know, David's David's request for the Lord for the Alpha and the Omega from the begin for the beginning and the end, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, one true God, for David to ask the Lord to prove me. Try me, test my heart and mind. We have to grasp, if we can, the seriousness and the weight of David's request here. You know, this is not us, you know, how we, you know, we joke with people and and we, you know, we, we think we're right on an issue or a discussion or a topic and we say, you know, prove me wrong, you know, or, or, or why don't you tell me what you think or, you know, prove me, prove that I'm wrong. Um, here David is is speaking to the Lord, and he says, Prove me, O Lord, and try me, test my heart and my mind. So the weight of that, of David's petition here, should not be taken lightly. He's talking to the Lord, uh, the most powerful. And so, you know, the question for us is, are we willing and are we ready to let the let the Lord try us to petition the Lord to test our hearts and to test our minds. 
Because one thing I've learned, and I'm sure many of you have learned this as well, is that when you ask the Lord to to challenge you, to refine you, to sanctify you, well, boy, is he going to do that. If we have the Holy Spirit in us, if we're born-again believers, and we petition the Lord to refine us, to make us new, to sanctify us, he is going to do that, and it often comes through difficulty. You look throughout Scripture, some of the, the greatest men and women of Scripture they were they went through difficulties and trials and temptations, Jesus himself, in order to be made new, in order to be sanctified, in order to be made more like our Creator, to be made more righteous. Uh, so David's David's petition here is bold. David's petition here took a lot of courage, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of willingness. And so I would encourage us to have that same urgency, that same willingness as David has for the Lord to try us, for the Lord to test us, for the Lord to test our heart and our mind. Well, moving into some of our stories for the day, I've got some interesting uh, statistics, by the way, uh, to follow up on our gun control, if that's what you want to call it, our gun uh, gun firearm discussion, let's just call it that, that we're having in our country in light of the shooting in Texas Here's an interesting statistic. You know, the question has to be asked, should we, as a country, make it harder for people to purchase guns or uh, beef up the background check process, whatever that means, by the way. It could mean a, a, a litany of things. Or any, any measure, right, any law that is aimed at making it more difficult for people to purchase and, and possess firearms. That, that's the overarching goal here, whether they say it or not. So we have to ask ourselves, how many tragedies will this prevent if we pass said law? Well, here's a very interesting statistic on how many guns, on how many of the crimes that are committed with firearms, how many of those firearms were possessed or obtained through legal means? All right? This is important here because if we're going to pass laws that are supposed to stop bad guys from having guns, then, well, let's look at existing crimes and how many of those guns were obtained, obtained through legal means. This is an important number and statistic if we're going to take an approach thinking that more laws passed by Congress is going to stop shootings in this country. This is a 2019 report. The Justice Department recently released a 2019, uh, so I'm reading from a story in 2019. All right, so the Justice Department released recently released a report that once again confirms a long-running statistic regarding firearms on crime and crime. Uh, the Department of Justice's Bureau of Justice Statistics, or BJS, reports that in 2016, some 287,000 individuals were imprisoned for committing crimes while in possession of a firearm. 90% of those firearms were obtained illegally. The report further notes that more than half, 56%, had either stolen it 6% uh, found it at the scene of a crime. 
7% of them obtained it off the street or from an underground market, i.e. the black market. I'm sorry, that's 43%. So 56% stole it, and then 43% obtained it off the street or from an underground uh, market, and then it it talks about how 25% obtained it from a family member or a friend or as a gift. And so the point I'm bringing this up is, is let's say, all right, let's just say for the sake of discussion that let's just say we ban guns altogether. All right, this is very extreme, probably will not happen, at least in my lifetime, I hope not. Let's just say our country bans firearms 100% across the board, no more Second Amendment, no more gun ownership by private parties in this country. All the good guys that follow the rules go and turn their guns in. All right. Let's just for this for the sake of discussion, let's play this out. So we know the criminals aren't gonna go turn their guns in. All right, it, it's clear. <laughs> the criminals aren't gonna go turn their guns in. Ninety percent of the firearm of the crimes committed with a firearm, those firearms are already possessed illegally, meaning they're stolen. Or they're picked up through some other means. So we're, so we're going to disarm all the law-abiding citizens in this country, and then who's left with the guns? The bad guys. All the bad guys. This is, this is what happens in, in countries all around this world. Mexico, Venezuela, over in Europe, in the Middle East. You, 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 you basically cover this planet. This is what happens. Australia, Canada, all the good guys, you know, the law-abiding citizens, the people who pay their taxes and go the speed limit, yeah, they all go and they 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 have uh, 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 good intentions to follow the rules for the betterment of society. That's the narrative. So they go turn in all their guns while all the bad guys are left with all the guns. So then you and I are left defenseless and we're using a baseball bat to defend our home. It's ludicrous. I know it's very ludicrous. Uh, so if we outlawed guns 100% in this country today and all the people who follow the rules go and turn in their guns, well, the criminals will be left with all the firearms, and 90% of those uh, crimes that are committed with firearms are committed. Uh, 90% of them are committed with firearms that were possessed illegally. All right, so so we're going to reduce 10% of, of firearm-related uh, crimes. 90% is going to continue. And then what's Congress going to recommend next after we do that? Well, they're going to keep recommending laws uh, that hinder the ability for you and I to defend ourselves. So, so gun control doesn't work. It's a proven failed method in countries around this world. It doesn't work. And in cities where they've done it in this country, it's failed miserably. Those cities are more dangerous, more violent than they've ever been uh, with, quote unquote, less guns on the street. Well, jumping into the whole gun control debate, you know, this this uh, this topic is discussed, and boy, am I running out of time, in a manner that we all assume that, that climate change, i.e. global warming, is a real thing, and that, that the basic premise that you and I emitting CO2 is bad for the planet. I mean, I even had a class last night where I was asking, uh, you know, young kids about you know, well, you know, what do cars do? What, what do we use cars for? And the first kid just blurted out. We weren't even talking about climate or CO2. The first kid said, cars pollute the planet. 
This young kid on the first row when I was teaching last night said, cars pollute the planet. And so I laughed and I said, no, that's not true. And here's why. Here's why it's not true. So CO2 is a critical component on our planet. Without CO2, there would be no life. There would be no trees. And yes, there would be no plants that, what do they do? They put off oxygen that you and I have to, that we need to breathe. And so I'm going to play a clip here, uh, a clip here. This is clip four. This is Dr. Will Happer from Harvard telling Congress back in 2010 that CO2 is not a pollutant. That is a lie. Clip four. We heard this morning uh, CO2 referred to as a pollutant. I actually brought along a CO2 meter. If you permit me, I will look at what it's reading in this room. I, I don't know. If, would, would anyone care to guess what the CO2 level in the room is? I sometimes offer a $10 reward. <laughs> 450 okay. Good, Steve. You're a good sport. Anybody else? 550 550 Ralph wins the golden ring. It's, uh, it's 590 It's 590 that's because of all my hot air and, and my friends here. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, when we exhale air, it's 40,000 parts per million in, in our exhale breath. So, you know, CO2 really is not a pollutant. You know, the, it can, you can call it many things, but I think that's really not fair. Okay, so they're having this hearing on global warming in Congress. And I'm sorry, this, this is a professor is not from Harvard. He's from Princeton. So an upgrade. He's from Princeton. His name is Dr. Dr. Will Happer, well-known scientist from Princeton. <laughs> he tells Congress, he says, look, guys, CO2 is not a pollutant, so let's stop telling people that CO2 is bad for our planet. That's completely not true. That's like taking any other chemical or molecule and saying across the board, blanket statement, this is bad for the planet. No, no, no. In very high levels, any, any chemical can be bad co2 is good for our planet and, and the, the, here's the number all these scientists say if we go over 400 parts per million we're all gonna die so dr will happer has his little uh co2 gauge he goes what what what's the level in this room in washington dc he measures it 590 parts per million and they're all in there breathing and talking just fine life-sustaining when we breathe out how much is that in a very concentrated level 40,000 parts per million so this idea that us driving our cars around is destroying the planet is a hoax and we must confront that whenever he speaks a lie he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies my name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the state of Georgia, early voting turnout during its 2022 midterm primary election was 168% more than it was in 2018, their last gubernatorial primary, and 212% higher than it was during the 2020 presidential primary year. Though corporations tried to beat each other in the woke Olympics, Major League Baseball moved its all-star game, and Mr. J. Robinette called Georgia's 2021 election integrity law Jim Crow 2.0, Jim Eagle. Georgians voted in record numbers, including minority voters. Who'd have thunk it? Voter ID law and increased voter participation. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Every girl inevitably deals with a bully. Either they're the victim of bullying, they see others being bullied, or they may even become a bully. So how can we help girls build resilience to survive the mean kids at school and later in life? How can we help girls who are becoming bullies to learn the ways of love instead? How do we encourage our girls to embody these words from 2 Timothy? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. The answer is threefold. Help girls discover their identity in Christ, guide them towards developing a deep and practical empathy for others, and find a safe environment for girls to learn and grow like an American Heritage Girls troop. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Persecuted Christians, they love their enemies, and they count it all joy to suffer for the Lord Jesus, but they need your help today. This is Bible League International, and in the Middle East one day, radicals showed up and burned down the house of Nora, nearly killing her and her four daughters, the youngest of which, four years of age, maimed for life with serious burns all over her body. You know what her crime is? Simply that Nora has been leading Arabic-speaking women to Christ, and they need Bibles there in the Middle East. And in Venezuela, a church has been rescuing women, some as young as 12, kidnapped and forced into prostitution institution by the drug cartel. They have paid dearly. In fact, one of the members was killed, his corpse pulled behind a truck, but I can tell you this group, even though they're persecuted, is focused on pointing these women to the hope of the gospel. They need Bibles. Bible League is sending God's word to 16,000 persecuted believers. We're halfway there. We need to wrap up by the end of June. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20, would you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Now. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. Well, we'll continue the global warming and climate change hoax discussion in the last segment, and we'll also take your calls as well. Uh, But we want to introduce our Weekly guest and uh, the one who is my kinfolk, Wesley Wildman. Wesley, welcome to the studio. Glad to be on. Wednesdays with Wesley is now officially launched. It has. And, and do you do you are you proud to be my brother? Bam. Let's go. Yeah. Just hey, like that. <laughs> yeah. Look, I was waiting. The reason I didn't respond to you is because I was waiting in awkward silence for an intro music, and I finally got it. So, well, Bobby's on cue. Thank he's you. He's on point. Thank you. He knows you. what he's doing. So, are right. you are you proud? Back to the the real question before Bobby interrupted us yeah. is, yeah. what are you proud to be my brother? I am proud to be your brother, okay. in most occasions. Okay, so you don't most like try occasions. to try to skirt that topic. No. You know, that not, guy over there. Not to your face. I would never okay. do that. <laughs> not to your face. At least you're honest. Maybe right. privately. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, I want to introduce our, our, our guest for this segment, uh, Judge Phil Ginn. He is uh, president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He's been on before to talk about the topic of life and how we can preserve it uh, here on our time on earth as God has ordained. Uh, Judge Ginn, Judge Phil Ginn, welcome to the core. Well, thank you very much, Walker. Very, uh, very glad to be back. I, I thought for a minute there I was going to get my own weekly show. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. Well, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, Judge Ginn, on a serious <laughs> note, the uh, the Supreme Court is set to release this Dobbs v. Jackson 
uh, case out of Mississippi that that really is it, it is questioning the legitimacy, the legal legitimacy of the Roe v. Wade decision back from 1973. So this, the Supreme Court has to release this opinion at some point this month. Uh, give our give our audience your review, your feedback, and what you're seeing come out of this. Possibly, once again, this is not a final opinion yet, but the final opinion, uh, Judge, will be released this month. Well, the first thing that I, that I would say, and, and this is the gospel according to Phil, you guys will have to take that for what it's worth. Mm. Uh, it, this, this is my opinion. It's not uh, vested in anything other than just my experience in the court system and dealing with appellate courts and seeing how uh, the Supremes actually operate from time to time. But whatever occurs, I think, will be the final word from the court on this for many years. It's going to stand... Uh, uh, for as long as Roe v. Wade has, Roe v. Wade has potentially, uh, that could change. Obviously, with uh, some of the changes on the court, but uh, I, I don't see that occurring uh, rapidly without some intervention from either stacking the court or or deaths, uh, inadvertent and and certainly un uh, unwanted deaths of uh, some of the more conservative justices. Uh, but at any rate. We need to look at this as a little bit of a permanent situation. The second thing that I would say is that I think a lot of us uh, more conservative jurists uh, around the country and, and a lot of uh, court watchers would, would and including perhaps even Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, would, would agree that Roe v. Wade, as it originally was decided, was not very well reasoned to law. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was... Uh, was put together in an effort to uh, legislate uh, an outcome and, and and really to force a square peg into a round hole, if you will, by the court system uh, to uh, to kind of validate what the mood was that, that they perceived the country was in at the time. Uh, and that's not a very good way to make law. And, and certainly at that point in time, they decided where they were going to go. And then they looked for reasons and facts to back it up. And we can go in behind that and, and may well do so a little bit later. But suffice it to say that, that a lot of us thought it wasn't very good law. Mm-hmm. I am also surprised in, in a third framework that the, that Justice Alito was willing to go so far and, and so uh, blatantly um, to, to call it what it was. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, that, that's kind of unprecedented in the court. And I understand why he did it. I mean, he, he was laying the groundwork, uh, for it to be overruled. Yeah. Now, whether or not that will stand, that's another matter. Um, you know, we, we, everybody's getting worked up for it, whether you're a pro, uh, uh, pro abortion or pro life. And, um, there, there's nothing in writing as yet that says that what Justice Alito had propounded is what's going to end up as the result. In fact, I would I would be a little bit surprised if the end result uh, ruling was as strongly worded as what Judge Alito uh, had in that um, in, in the one that was released earlier, the the model that was released earlier, prototype, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the draft. So, having said that. I, I think that there is going to be a significant change. I think Roberts will try to ameliorate to a great extent what was there to kind of bring them back toward the middle. But, um, you know, the reality is is that whatever change there is in Roe v. Wade is going to be, uh, is going to be volcanic in its, uh, in its uh, 
effects because of what the other side, the pro-abortion, they don't want them. They don't want us messing with with their good thing. Yeah. Uh, from their perspective, sure. I'm not saying it's a good thing at all, but from their perspective, you follow the money. This is a cash cow. Yeah, that's uh, good for point, uh, Planned Parenthood mm. and and folks like them. I mean, that's they're making billions of dollars off. Yeah. Well, really, and, really, and Judge. Off of, go ahead. Yeah. The 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 justices really this whole leak has really put them in a bind to put it mildly because they have really? to they cannot they're not supposed to be influenced by public pressure. Uh, especially not be influenced by leaks from their own court. Uh, so, so the so the ones that were were signed on or allegedly agreed with the draft opinion from Alito, uh, you know, they've really got to make a decision. You know, am I going to hold my my legal ground? Am I going to hold my moral ground that I've, you know, agreed to, or am I going to kowtow to pressure because of leaks? Uh, and, and they really don't have a choice there because they can't start kowtowing. Uh, to leaks from the court because then we'll have leaks from the court every three weeks, and that's going to be a major, major problem uh, to the institution. And make no mistake about it, the leak was not inadvertent. No, absolutely not. No, completely intentional. And it would not surprise me to know that it came from some of the highest levels in in some of the uh, justices' offices. Sure, yeah. There, there are some radicals on the bench, that's for sure, that were appointed by President Obama and others. Hey, uh, the last thing I'll mention, Judge— uh, uh, what's your reaction to the arrest this morning of a man uh, on the way outside of Judge uh, Brett Kavanaugh's house headed to assassinate Judge Kavanaugh? That's the breaking story from this morning. Your response? It's not surprising. I'm saddened, but it's not surprising, and it would not surprise me to see um, this kind of thing increase. Not, uh, I mean, look, the uh, what, what's objectionable and what's dangerous about extremists uh, is not so much how far they go in the spectrum, but it's the intolerance of these people that uh, that is so abhorrent. I think. Yeah. And it, it's how you're going to treat your opponents in this, and and look. Once you open this can, uh, it's a Pandora's box. Uh, once you run, just generally speaking, folks, once you run God out of the marketplace, yeah. chaos follows. And with chaos comes evil, and mm. evil has no bounds. Yes. It is, the law makes no difference to evil. Mm. Exactly uh, right. And, and so I fear, I, fear for, I fear for people on both sides. Yeah. Uh, I really do, because it's come to that point in our, in our, uh, uh, in, I, in this generation, but I particularly am fearful for uh, the uh, Supreme Court justices and others who would uh, who would stand up. It look what little I have here in North Carolina, what little platform I have here, the uh, speaking out against uh, the the culture. It's interesting that the most followers I have is, is in the District of Columbia. <laughs> and and they're not there. They're not there to cheer me on. Sure, it, it's not an un. Look, it's not. I know that I am being followed by the Department of Justice. That's not a conspiracy theory. They let me know they're following. Yeah. Um. And 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 they're monitoring what I say here. They probably will find out what I said to you, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But look, this is Jesus told us it was going to be this way. I don't know why we'd be surprised. Absolutely. You're exactly right. If they hated him, they'll hate us. That's exactly what Scripture says. 
Uh, j- hey, but Judd. We're, we're, go ahead. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm just going to thank you so much for coming on the show. we got to jump on to our next guest, and uh, we'll have you well, on that'd again. That would be great. Just, uh, I'd love to come at Southern Evangelical Seminary. We're going to stand steadfast in the truth, Amen and the folks can count on that. Praise God, Judge Ginn. President, Southern Evangelical Seminary, thank you so much for coming on the court. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you again soon. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Judge Phil Ginn, president of SES.edu, Southern Evangelical Seminary. Wesley, um, the the rhetoric against Christians and against people who agree with us on these issues is is at a a heightened level. And I want to play this clip for you, Wesley. We've got a... I've got a pre- the president of the United States, Wesley. This is this goes back a little ways. President Biden saying that he agrees with you and me on biblical marriage. Clip one. We are desperately concerned about the circumstance relating to avian flu. We don't have enough vaccines. We don't have enough police officers. And we're going to debate the next three weeks. I'm told, gay marriage, a flag amendment, and God only knows what else. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law, the Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman, and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? So, Wesley, you and I are called bigots. Uh, Many people are threatened for their beliefs. But President Biden believed how you and I did just not too long ago. Well, that just shows you the depth of his convictions because when you're talking about something that is both um, historically, naturally uh, right, and you can change it within a couple of uh, election year, cycles, a couple of election cycles, a couple of years of entertainment being hijacked by the LGBT. Uh, Q agenda and uh, education, colleges, uh, and, and, and of course the courts have been hijacked in this area. So, you you know, it's, it just goes to show you the depth of his convictions. Now, with that said, speaking about the rhetoric, you've got uh, another clip that we're going to play here and then I'm going to comment on, and that's from the ESPN uh, star Sarah Spain. Do we have that clip? All right, let's play that clip. Tampa pitcher Jason Adams to the Tampa Bay Times. Hard decision because ultimately we all said we want them to know that they are welcome and loved here. But when we put it on our bodies, I think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe, not that they look down on or anything or differently, it's just that maybe we don't want to encourage if it we believe in Jesus who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that would abstain from that behavior. Sarah Spain, how does that all come off to you? Pride is about inclusion, so you don't love them and you don't welcome them if you're not willing to wear the patch. And calling it a lifestyle reveals to me that you've done not even a modicum of research or understanding on this topic, which is what tends to happen when a privileged class isn't affected by things. This is not just about baseball. That religious exemption BS, which is used in sport and otherwise, also allows for people to be denied health care, jobs, apartments, children prescriptions, all sorts of rights. And so we have to stop tiptoeing around it because we're trying to protect people who are trying to be bigoted from asking for them to be exempt from it when the very people that they are bigoted against are suffering the consequences. When you say trying to be bigoted. They're trying to use religious exemptions to affect the opportunities, services, uh, uh, available resources for people who are LGBTQ+. 
and a patch on the jersey in, in this way? In the case of sport, no. In the case of sport, though, they're double-talking if they're saying you're welcome while also saying that we don't encourage or, or we disagree with it, especially when there are devout people of every single religion that also welcome and are open to people who are born gay. They- we added the beep at the end. That was that was well done there, Bobby. Hey, look, let me say this with a couple minutes that we've got left. Let me set that video that clip up one more time. So what you just heard was uh, there just recently there was a Gay Pride Day for the Tampa Bay baseball major league team, and they had to make a decision as a team were they going to force everybody to wear the the LGBT Pride flag on their sleeve or were they going to let the players decide if they wanted to do it and the manager decided that they would allow the players to decide if they wanted to wear it or not that was a decision and when that decision was given you can decide if you want to participate or not uh there were five players who elected not to and then what you just heard was a comment from or her or her position to what they did by a lady named Sarah Spain, who is an ESPN analyst. Now, I just want to say this, Walker. I want to recognize the five players that stood up because in our day and in our day in our society, to take a stand against this type of evil, mm. it takes a tremendous amount of courage, a courage that you will never um, – Hard, it will be very difficult to match once you've experienced it. Mm. And the five players are Jason Adams, who were the comments from the gentleman uh, that was asking the lady the question, Jalen Beeks, Brooks Riley, Jeffrey Springs, and Ryan Thompson. Those are the five players who stood up against this and did so in a compassionate and loving way. So those guys are recognized. This whole pride is about inclusion. Guys, we could spend an hour on that. This pride of there, there, there is nothing inclusion when 13 gay bakers refuse a traditional cake, marriage cake, with the message that gay marriage is wrong. There is hundreds of cases where the LGBT community has not included the uh, the Christians' perspective on marriage in multiple assets. So this whole inclusion and to- uh, tolerance and equality. Only goes both only goes one way for their position. That's why you have to have a First Amendment and a religious liberty. That's right. Kudos to the Tampa Bay Rays players, the five of them that said, "No, I will not promote sin on my baseball jersey in Tampa Bay." Be back in just a few minutes. A baby's cry. It's the sound of God's gift of life that began at conception. The church needs to speak out on the sanctity of life, but believe it or not, there are those in the church who disagree. Dr. Michael Brown says the early church was always clear, abortion is sinful. His article, What the Early Church Said About Abortion, will stir us to unite on that fact, but it also reminds us of God's mercy and forgiveness. You can read this article at afa.net slash the stand. What does the American Family Association stand for? We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. 
Emmy was in a bad relationship when she found out she was pregnant. Her boyfriend told her to get an abortion, which she seriously considered. I knew that if I got an abortion, a part of me would be broken. Emmy went to a preborn center in need of guidance. They honestly were able to put every fear at ease and let me know that it was going to be okay. Because of them, he's here. I couldn't imagine my life without him. Preborn clinics introduce moms in crisis to their babies through ultrasound while providing hope, love, and the gospel in action. When an expectant mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears the heartbeat, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. For American Family Radio, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Watch out for the wrong type of people. Did you ever hear that from your parents when you were a teenager? Maybe you even said it to your own kids. The wrong crowd can lead us astray as quickly as anything. But sometimes the people we see as farthest from God are actually the ones he will soon visit with his grace. Think about the ancient enemies of Israel. Egypt and Assyria had oppressed, killed, and hounded God's people for generations. But at Isaiah 19, God said shocking words. The Lord Almighty will bless them, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. God's grace is unexpected. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit GetAnchor.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. This is worship 
Wednesday on the core, and the song there, the worship song, is titled Jesus is Coming Back, and yes, he's coming back, and he will reign uh, forever. Jordan Feliz, Jonathan Trailer, and Mandisa, those are the three artists there that you heard. Jesus is coming back. Well, Wesley, wrapping up this topic of inclusion, when this crowd is the most exclusive crowd probably in American political history, talking about the LGBTQ sexual deviancy agenda and lobby. Uh, they have a long history, Wesley, of punitively going after business owners that don't want to make custom messages that go against their religious beliefs. Yes, and that's what we were hearing from the lady in the first in the second segment. We played a clip from a ESPN analyst who was uh, really raking over the coals uh, the five baseball players for Tampa Bay who decided not to participate in the LGBT Pride Day, she was giving them uh, more than a hard time. And I was, as I listened to the clip, I mean, just at, at the end of it, uh, I was just at, at a pause for a couple minutes because she, the whole thing was just an out, outright lie, which reminded me for her and specifically that agenda. That's where Romans chapter 1, 22 comes into play where it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. Because in the, if you listen to her, educate, uh, she sounds, uh, she's, a very, she's very eloquent. She says uh, she connects her dots real well. She does a good job presenting her position, but it's all based on lies. Yes. And so that's where claiming to be wise, they became fools. She said a couple things, um, and I'll, I'll mention these few. She said, one, Pride is about inclusion. That was her first opening statement. And it's not about inclusion because, as I mentioned to you a while ago, there was a, back in 2012, this is just one article in 2012 in one state. Mm -hmm. There was a couple churches that got together, and they were were just absolutely fed up with the punitive attacks by the LGBT community of seeking out uh, business owners, owners. Christian business owners in all forms of businesses, not just cakes. But they were seeking them out in all forms, and they were trying to, and they still do this to today. And if they were, if the Christian, per, the Christian business owner had a conviction that, that told them no, I cannot participate in, in the LGBT message, then they were suing them mm-hmm. for for funds. Well, the Christians in California, a handful of them got together from churches and said, "Look, we're going to ask the LGBTQ business owner to L bake a cake or print a T-shirt or participate in the message that is." gay marriage is wrong in quotes and they were denied that they tried 13 13 places 100 percent of the time all where, 13 where the, places where the owners of the bakery were homosexuals yes. or sympathized with the lgbtq agenda that's right so they went to 13 in a row all 13 denied them and and in quote they said were there one, any lawsuits one particular one <laughs> they did i don't think they pursued the lawsuit I know, I know. but 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 to your point in quote this is a gay business owner to a Christian who wanted a cake that says gay marriage is wrong. They say, quote, this went against their religious beliefs, my, uh, my religious beliefs. Yep. So so people who have some kind of religion that clearly is not Christianity sure. that says that homosexuality is a good thing, it's a noble thing, even though we know that's not true, right. they can claim that as a legitimate belief and deny services mm-hmm. to a Christian. Yep. But if a Christian says, I don't want to bake a cake celebrating your 
ceremony that is against God's word, then you're sued, you're put out of business, and you owe hundreds of thousands in damages. That's exactly right. And so So they're about inclusion, right? Right. So that's the point (laughs) I was going to make on inclusion. And we all know this, too, is that um, when she says here— uh, she talks. She really mocks religious liberty and religious freedom, and she says that Christians hide behind that. And I just want to educate and remind our audience that the religious that religious liberty was God's idea, and it's not a to to stand up for what you believe is not hiding behind religious liberty. Is is exercising the right that God gave you to do, yes. and you're doing so in a way that also is helpful for all people that hold. Because Christianity, the difference between her religion, which is LGBTQ, and the religion of Christianity is that the religion of Christianity does not force her to wear John 3.16 or to wear Romans chapter 1. Our Christianity, the religion that I follow uh, and uh, and the Bible does not force her to To compel her. To speak and promote our ideas. Our ideas. But hers forces and coerces us. To, to bow the knee or $150,000 fines or you get fired, you lose yeah. your job. And so there's a noticeable difference. And if you're not careful, you'll miss that. And I wanted to take this time on the radio to remind our audience of the, the noticeable distinctive difference and for you to be prepared to present that if you if given, if given if put in that same position. All right. Thanks, Wesley. Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you coming on. All right, Wesley Wildman, that's my brother there. He's on each Wednesday here on the course. So – uh, moving into some of the other topics. By the way, we're going to take your calls these last few minutes of the program. 888-589-8840. That's the number you can call into the core. We'll be glad to take your questions, comments on the topics we've discussed on the show today. Once again, that number is 888-589-8840. You can call into the program. By the way, uh, the UAE... United Arab Emirates, uh, they are involved, well, they're in the OPEC uh, alliance, if you will, or group that produces much of the world's oil out of the Middle East. And, uh, of course, Biden's begging OPEC to increase production. Why? Because he hates domestic energy production. That's as simple as as you can put it. So he wants other worlds, uh, other countries to produce uh, the world's energy. So he's reaching out to OPEC, trying to get them to do it. And uh, anyway, the UAE, they put out a statement today saying that, to put it bluntly, gas prices, fuel energy prices are nowhere near the top. That's what they're saying. They, quote, nowhere near the peak is what they said. Why did they say this? Because China has yet to fully reopen their domestic economy after COVID. They're still doing this lockdown garbage. They're still keeping people in their houses. They're not driving. They're not, they're not fully booming like rest, the rest of the world, for the most part, is. And so, so UAE, their, their position is, look, you let, you let China reopen in the coming months and their demand for energy, oil, and coal, and natural gas increases, which much of which they, they don't produce domestically, uh, then these energy prices are just going to continue to skyrocket uh, to levels we've never seen uh, in this country and in many places we've never seen in this world. So this energy crisis fostered and created by the Biden administration uh, is nowhere near being over. So uh, just uh, uh, an important note for for when you hear the talking points uh, that this will soon be over and it's Russia's uh, fault. That's simply not true. This is all brought about by uh, domestic policies by the Biden administration. Well, 888-589-8840 
is the number to call in to the program. We'll, we'll take your calls and your questions. Uh, jumping to Jerry in the state of Texas. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the core. Hey, brother. It's good to have, uh, listen to you and your brother on Wednesday. I'm, I'm going to say it. I said it to Rick Green, who y'all have on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I believe. I just want to remind the American people that are listening. Um, the Supreme Court is not the legislative branch, the judicial, so they only issue opinions. And personally, if we had more governors with backbones and spines that said, hey, that's just an opinion, that's not the actual law, and then states created their own law against same-sex marriage, which a majority of people in every state already put on books for those states that marriage is between one man and a woman, then we would have a whole lot better place to be. Because the fact of the matter is, is that Joe Biden was correct. There should be no debate. There's no law against it, and the legislative body is the one that needs to create a law if there needs to be a law. But the judicial branch only looks at the Constitution. They do not set law. And and last thing on gas, if we had backboned in Texas here where I'm at, if the Governor Abbott, who I'm calling out, would go ahead and use his Tenth Amendment right and just start producing for this state alone, yes. others would probably do the same thing. I'm going to let you go, brother, and listen to your response. Brilliant, Jerry. I love it. Texas, start producing energy and selling it to other states. <laughs> I love it. I mean, what's the Biden administration going to say then? No, no, no. You guys can't produce your own energy. They're already producing energy for the country anyway. Oh, so just keep some of that uh a domestic uh, energy production policy within the state and run your own energy production. I mean, it's simple as that. I know it's a little more complicated from a legal standpoint, but it's a great idea. Absolutely great idea. A bunch of states come together that have a lot of natural resources, a lot of natural energy production, and uh, start selling it to other states. A uh, great way to reduce prices if the radical Biden administration would allow that. Uh, jumping to Chuck in North Carolina. Chuck, welcome to the court. Uh, I was just listening about the LGBTQ problem with the patch on a jersey. I thought it was kind of interesting that she was talking about the LGBTQ rights, but she didn't mind suppressing the rights of the Christian ball player not to wear. Hmm. Good point. Good point. Yeah, you know, this the, the hypocrisy knows no bound. And when you don't have fundamental truth backing your beliefs and your values, well, you just make up stuff. Quite literally, uh, make up stuff. Whatever the cool thing is for the day, well, that's what the quote-unquote truth is. And a very good point there, Chuck. Uh, we'll go down to Angelica, and we'll talk to her in Louisiana. Angelica, welcome to the court. Well, hello. I'm a first-time caller, and I think I listen to y'all's program every time, every time I get a chance. But what I have to say is when you were talking, had the clip from Biden, that is not him talking. That is somebody else. If you listen closely to it, I think Biden has a slur in his, uh, he pronounces certain words in a different way. This guy is his uh, uh, imposter. And when he talks, he has a smooth talk, a smooth language. So, yeah. So, Angelica, so, Angelica, you, you, was that your first time hearing that clip? Yes, sir. All right. So, so you heard a clip <laughs> on the radio for the first time with no visual of the clip. And I'm sitting here watching the visual video from Meet the Press. And you're telling me that's an imposter that that's not Senator Joe Biden from a couple of years ago? 
Yeah, I think the voice just sounds totally different. All right. Who was it? Who's the imposter? I don't know. Whoever they, they it, whoever they got it, I think it's supposed to be, I think, uh, his, uh, 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 his, the guy that's supposed to be, he cannot, I think, uh, perform or can do whatever, uh, so the so, act or whatever he is. I'm not sure. But Yeah, so Angelica, not- so did, did Senator Joe Biden back in the 90s under the Clinton administration, did he vote for or against the Defense of Marriage Act? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not for him at all. You know, right. Okay, so I do not like the man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Angelica. Well, the important thing here is, folks, is is let's don't make claims that we can't back up. All right. No matter what shot of the hour on, no matter what our beliefs are, uh, that was not an imposture. All right. We don't bring clips of impostures on the program because we don't bring falsehoods on the program, at least not intentionally. And when we do on accident, we apologize and correct it. Uh, that clip I played of of Senator Joe Biden was from Meet the Press, and it was him talking about, in the 90s, talking about voting for the Defense of Marriage Act, and then later talking about how we don't need to be talking about marriage anymore. There's no sense in it. This is a settled debate. He says, I'm fully in, in favor of, of biblical marriage. He didn't say those words, but that's what he said. Uh, Bobby, let's play this Biden clip one more time. Oh, it, it's gone now? All right, that's fine. All right, so the Biden clip was from Meet the Press. And when you go back to his voting record, he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act under the Clinton administration. Uh, You'd be surprised. Remember, President Biden was in favor of biblical marriage. He went on with Rick Warren and defended uh, natural marriage and then later changed his position. Why? Because his chief of staff or his campaign manager, David Axelrod, said, you got to change your view on this issue. It's not cool anymore. It's not popular anymore. Well, the good news, folks, is we have the Bible, we have Scripture, we have God's Word. The truth doesn't change, and our views and opinions shouldn't change either. AFA at the core, we'll be back next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.